Welcome to the Unscript Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we're seeking to lead change. We're also seeking to understand. We're also as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lang, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. Today, we are joined by award-winning CEO, advisor, speaker, communications expert, and best-selling author of Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success, Sabrina Horn, who has join us to have a conversation on leading with authenticity. Sabrina, thanks for coming on. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. I love your names. You sound like sports celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're talking about leading with authenticity tonight. Of course, this is the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, where being authentic and having authenticity is literally part of the fiber, the DNA of who we are, what we believe. A lot of times when we uh, survey the landscape of leadership and the world in general life, authenticity is often a element that is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically in leadership, why do you think that it's so hard for leaders to be their authentic selves? Yeah, it's a great place to start. I, I mean, I was there once too when I was a young 29-year-old CEO. I knew how to do public relations, which was my the company I, I started. Um, but I didn't know how to be a leader. I probably managed an intern (laughs) before I started my company, you know? So I think the reason why it's so hard to be authentic is because authenticity requires looking reality in the face. And it means being, being able to deal with the truth. Um, And, you know, what do we know about the truth? Like the the truth hurts sometimes reality can be hard to deal with and we don't want to make the wrong decision under pressure. Right. We, we don't know we don't know what the answers are and so we just make something up or act like what we think other people want us to act like and that's the last thing that we sh- we should be doing so i mean there's a lot that goes into that answer but mostly i think it comes down to it's hard to deal with with reality sometimes and and uh, lead the right path forward very cool so hold on I was reading your I was reading your book. Make it um don't fake it. Yeah. And you have a chapter in here called and it it just the name of it resonated with me because of the name of the podcast, I think. But it's called Becoming and Staying an Authentic Brand. That's yeah. the chapter. It's about midway through the book. Yeah. Go fast forward a few pages. You had a a small a small excerpt in here called and it's, it was a it said um a bit about mission statements. So it yeah. kind of caught my eye. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read this little part and I have a question about it. Okay. It says, As values inform culture and brand, they also should inform other important foundational company messages, such as the mission statement. Unfortunately, most mission statements and for that matter, vision statements are utterly bland and soulless. <laughs> so that's quite, that's quite a statement. They're bland and soulless. So how... <laughs> As a as as a couple of guys who've you know we started our own thing and brands and so forth, and we've talked about mission statements and what we stand, want to stand for. How can somebody create an authentic mission statement slash vision mm-hmm. that's authentic to themselves but also resonates? Yeah. Well, how much time do you have? 
30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, you know, I, I'm, um, I am actually, I've been invited to teach a class on leadership based on the book at Emerson college this fall. And one entire class is devoted to this very, very question that, you, that you've asked me. I mean, I think it comes down to having a core set of very strong values that infuse every part of your business. And when you write your mission statement, right, a mission statement is more what you're doing today. And a vision statement is more aspirational, how you want to change the world. Um, and you know, and there and you have to write them you know at different times because they're they ha they serve a different purpose but you can't write a mission statement that you could insert any other's comp any other company's name into right that it just sounds so bland um you have to write a mission statement that speaks to the hearts and minds of the people the audiences that it's an intended for investors, shareholders, your customers, your employees, like every day you get up in the morning, what's your, what's the fight you're fighting? And there, um, there's emotion in that. What I, I think mission statements should have emotion in them and feeling, right? Which are all grounded in what? Values and what matters. And so how, how do you go about doing that? Well, I mean, you know, companies spend lots and lots of money hiring others to, to do that for them. But actually, you know, I, I think that is best created from, from inside, from a leadership team. That's an incredible distinction that you made between the mission and the vision. I'm not sure I've ever heard someone um, make that distinction before. That, that was an incredible answer. Now, John alluded to your book, uh, and I want to talk about what was the, the concept, the idea behind the title. Okay. Uh, but don't make it don't fake it yeah right? uh, i love that but can you break that break that down for us yeah sure i mean you got you everybody's heard the saying fake it till you make it and uh originally it was just um kind of an innocent thing like you know self-help acting as if right it's if you want to come across as more confident then you you practice those behaviors right that ultimately then maybe become a habit and that's just self-help like dressing for a meeting and in, in a different color because it makes you feel strong right um but what happened was it fake it till you make it through social media of course um and through the internet through social culture uh, pop culture it just mutated and became an excuse and a reason for people to just lie to get ahead and people took license with it. But more than that, I mean, to answer your question, I wrote the book because I think people have kind of lost the plot <laughs> that integrity actually matters. And, and in everything we do, you can't run a successful business or have a successful long-term personal relationship if it's not grounded on, on honesty and integrity. And so I wrote this book to, to basically use all the experience that I gained in, in my career and the mistakes I made to turn that stupid phrase on its ear and encourage people to be successful based on good old fashioned hard work and being honest and dealing with problems head on um, and, not, and not faking it. So that, that's kind of um, what, what the book ended up being about. Yeah. And, you had said something 
about gosh, what was the statement you made? I just lost the thought. But <clears throat> earlier you had mentioned starting or you said fake it till you make it. We're losing they're they're losing their I think you said authenticity or something along those lines. Yeah. But then you started this the show talking about how somebody has to be true to themselves. Yes. So that almost that what that tells me is that if someone's faking it till they're making it, mm -hmm. essentially, then how are they supposed to get it? How are they actually supposed to win if they're not actually being true to where they currently are? Well, it's sort of like how they take videos in a big house that's not really theirs to show this is my company. Yeah. The reality is it's in the garage. Yeah. I mean, here's the the problem with fake it till you make it. Um, first of all, you know, it's not it's not good to lie. It's not good to exaggerate the truth or minimize reality or make something up that's not true or shove the problem under the rug because the truth always comes out. Like it might take a day or a week or a month, or in Bernie Madoff's case, 10 years, or Elizabeth Holmes, the former founder of Theranos, you know, who was all over the news, right? I mean, those are off the charts, like jail time kind of examples, but the truth always comes out. And when it does, you'll be exposed for, for what you did. And it will set you back. It can ruin your reputation. It, it, you know, if you're a leader, right? And you lead by example, and you're building a team and a company and you do that, like, what are you, what are you doing? You're just building a company of fakers who do the same thing and cover their ass, pardon my language, rather than coming to the table, right? And saying, you know what? I, I don't understand that. Can we have a conversation about what the implications of, of this really are and, and like come up with a different plan, right? It's, it's a very humble, honest, but effective even entrepreneurial approach. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but like at the end of the day, it's resisting that temptation and staying true to like, okay, this is reality. I'm responsible for the people on this boat, <laughs> right? So how do I steer the ship forward with everybody on board and, you know, in, in the right direction? How does a leader because we we understand that authenticity is important in leadership and it absolutely is vital. But how does a leader be authentic and not bleed onto those that they are leading? Because some authenticity that we see is almost you're too real. You share too much. Yeah. And because you're quote unquote under the guise of out, oh, well, I'm just being real. It actually has done more damage to those that you're leading than it has been a benefit and help. So where's where's that line of, of demarcation of, OK, this is a little too much and I need to pull in and there's just a side that I should not share to those that I'm leading. Yeah, I mean, of course, right. Every person listening to this, you, you have to think about authenticity like beauty, right? It's in the eye of the beholder. So what I think is authentic, you may disagree with and vice versa. And each person who is a leader has to decide for themselves within the, the lines, the boundaries of what the truth is, how far you want to go. Because once you go in a certain direction, then you set a precedent and then it will be expected of you. 
or in your example, you know, it's just too much information. Like we don't really need to hear all that because sometimes you as a leader, you may know that something is coming down the road, but you don't want to frighten your employees and say, you know, what are you going to say? Like, we might have to do a layoff. You know, like, is that productive? No. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to be a realist, but you also have to, you know, give strength to your employees and give them a path to follow. Because until you have all the facts and are ready to make a decision, there are some things that people don't need to know right away. Right. It's it's uh, or personal information like it's it's um, not in a person's best interest to know everything all the time. So, you know, that comes down to personal brand, leadership and communication style. And, you know, a, a lot of executives get coaching to deal with that. I was once kind of told it was the, teetering that same line. It was basically be honest with yourself mm -hmm. and others of where you are. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, remember that your family and your team are not a trash can. So quit putting your garbage in there. Yeah. Oh, well, basically that's... it's okay to say, Hey, yeah. this is where I'm at. We are a $300,000 company hoping to be a million dollars in a year. You don't have to say we're a $5 million company, but at the same time, you don't need to tell them about all the little struggles you're having oh, as far as I had to get a loan to cover payroll no, and all those things. No, because then no, because it distracts them. Yeah, they don't they don't need to know that. Like for the privilege of being a leader, that's that's the ball that you have to carry, you know? And the people that you report to are your board and your leadership team or your business partners, right? Um, I mean, there were many times in running my company when, you know, payroll was tight and we had to use our line of credit for, you know, to, to get a little bit more elasticity especially during 2008 and 2009 when we had the recession, right? I'm not going to tell my employees that, you know, that's, that's just being a good business person. Now, if the situation were, you know, dire, right. And we, we had to close up shop. Well, you know, then, then there are other things that a CEO has to do to protect the company and its employees and to be fiscally responsible. Right. But, um, uh, you know, that that's where leadership is so much magic and art, not science. I love that. Leadership is an art, not a science. That's good. And we have to work on our craft daily, right? Oh, yeah. Painting the picture. Yes. The display. That's a whole nother conversation. That's good, Sabrina. I'll have to use that another time. <laughs> uh, but you talk about what what is the the leader's curse? What's oh, curse. Yeah. So the leader's curse, uh, also called the founder's curse, um, is uh, basically when you think everything's going pretty great. Don't fix it if it's not broken. And a, a founder has has this a lot because, you know, it's their baby and they created it and their baby's not ugly and egos get in the way. And so what happens is you don't listen to critical feedback when you should. You know, or like maybe we need to take a different strategy here, or there's a market opportunity over here, or maybe you should sell the company. Uh, and, you know, or maybe like, you know, you need to change your policy on these things. And, and the leader 
is, thinks everything's basically okay and like, oh, you know, just forget it. Like set it and forget it. Everything's fine. And so what happens then is that you, you can actually really hurt your company. Um, and that's that's not good leadership, right? A leader has to, no matter what his or her position is, you have to be open to any kind of, of feedback. Um, and ultimately, leadership is not about the leader. It is about everyone else. Right? It's never about you. It's about doing the right thing for everybody else, sometimes a great personal sacrifice. So how can somebody protect themselves from this founder's curse? What can they put around them or within? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's um, making a commitment to being able to deal with reality. Um, it's about having people in your inner circle, mentors. I, I think every person should have at least two or three mentors. These are not like people on your board or in your leadership team. They're people who have been in your shoes who want you to succeed and will call you on it when, you know, they think you're a little bit out over your skis and will help you get through a tough time. So surrounding yourself with people, what you need to hear and not what you want to hear is super, super important. Um, and, you know, the other thing I really believe in is that nobody is above a performance review, right? And, um, you know, getting and accepting and listening to feedback, you may think, how could they possibly say that? Like, everything's fine, but no, like, you've got to listen to it, especially if it's coming from people in your inner circle. Yeah, that's that's so good, because a lot of times uh, reflection is often the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And we have that imposter syndrome. Yes. Um, that often people are dealing with. Can you speak to that? How, especially as leaders, how we avoid that or how do we deal with that if we are currently in that uh, state or position? Yeah. So there's been a lot written about imposter syndrome. And essentially the classic definition is that um, a person uh, achieves a certain level of success, but they don't, they feel like they're a fraud, that they didn't earn it. And that somehow uh, it was because of good luck or good timing and that they'll be exposed. Right. Um, and this happens to a lot of overachievers and um, type A sorts of people, especially women and minorities. It can happen when you have been promoted into a new situation or you've changed jobs and there's a whole bunch of new people around you who don't know you and you don't know them. And so everybody's sniffing everybody, right? And you think like, oh my God, they think that I'm going to be like, you know, I'm on this pedestal and they think all these things, but I, I can't do that. I'm not that person. That's, that's imposter syndrome. And the way to deal with it is a few ways. Number one, recognize it's a real thing. A lot of people have it. Um, in their lives at certain points. Um, number two, I like to practice what I call watching myself in my own movie. And um, I'm the director of my own movie and I'm behind the camera watching myself in a meeting or someplace where I feel like really like that imposter, like uncomfortable. And I, I sort of pre-imagine what am I saying in that discussion? What are the questions I'm asking? Who's in that room? How am I involving everybody else rather than just taking the spotlight only on me to kind of navigate that situation? And pre-imagining those things is basically preparation, 
right? But visualization is a very powerful tool. And I, I used it a lot myself um, to deal with situations just like that. The second thing is what I said in, in, in regards to that technique is, right, people, people feel like they're imposters because the spotlight's on them. But actually, right, it's more about like, how can we do this together, right? I, I'm so excited to be here you know, how, how can I help you be more, how can we as a team move the needle forward on this situation, right? Um, I really need your expertise in dealing with this. And by doing that, you kind of like break down the, the walls a little bit and create more of a collaborative environment rather than like, oh my God, this is all on me. And they think I'm, you know, I have all, all the answers. That was really good. I've never heard. I actually just Googled it that the statement that imposter sin syndrome is more prevalent in women and minorities. Mm -hmm. I never heard that before. I didn't I never thought about it. Obviously, I don't fall into the category, but mm -hmm. I just Googled it and the whole thing from science.org or something that has a conversation about it. I'll dive in later. That's really <laughs> interesting to me, though. I never thought about that as being an additional hurdle to overcome even once you've made it yeah. well have began to make it or whatever as you've achieved it's it's really interesting but you're saying hey it doesn't need to be all about you basically coming into the room and changing everything for them no it's okay to be you and just start becoming part of the team and be the best you in that role yes and a facilitator yes culture exactly and in inclusive right like Yes. To, to break it down, it's like, you know, like I, I, you guys are the experts in these things. Tell, tell me how you guys did this in the past. You know, t how, how can I help you? How can we mm. solve this problem together? <laughs> and yeah. you know, then, so it's not just all right on, on you. And mm. I mean, the, uh, the final technique, you know, is a simple one, but um, I, you know, suggest that you simply read your LinkedIn profile to yourself or take your resume and hit the record button and talk to yourself about everything you've done and play it back. Like you did do all those things. Like mm -hmm. you, you know, your, your stuff and, you know, and, and here's what you don't know and where you can be honest again and authentic. Right. And say, you know what, as you guys are, you guys are, you know, crazy like i i know this stuff but i really need your input on these other things you guys are the experts on that right mm -hmm. so you sort of kick it back to them they're almost giving you the answers of where you can fill in exactly just by you asking the question it's really yes. good yes so right it's and sometimes listen there were meetings where there was a new client in the conference room and the ceo was there and my whole team and somebody would come into my office and say, Hey, Sab, can you come in and like meet this new client? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even have five seconds to look up on the internet what they make. Right. I don't even know the name of their company, but yet I have to go in there and like be brilliant and have like an a intelligent business conversation with this CEO. And so what do I do? I go in there and I'm like, okay, you know, so like, Hey, you know, so how's business? You know, what, what, uh, what are you guys talking about here today? 
And then I get information, right? And I'm like, okay, so I can figure out what industry they're in, what they make. And then I can be like, oh, so do you compete with so-and-so? Or like, how how is that working with, you know, what's going on in the industry? And then just by asking questions, you can guide a conversation forward. Communication is always the foundation to everything. Yes. What you're saying then. We always... I'll wrap up our show with the last segment called Off Script. Okay. We ask our special guest to give us something on their heart to leave our audience with. It can have something to do with a topic or anything that you just want to leave that last impression with our audience. I would say, um, I would say, think about the last time maybe you faked it and ask yourself, why? Like, were you under pressure? Did you want to impress somebody? Did you, were you, you know, really worried about not getting the funding or the competition or making your number? And then ask yourself, like, well, what happened? Like, did you pull it off? And how do you feel about that? Or did, did, were you exposed? Like, did somebody call you on it? And if you had a do-over, how would you handle it differently? being honest, being authentic, using some of these tools, you know, that, that we've discussed here today, how would you have handled it differently? Because at the end of the day, like it's the journey is the reward, you know, and you put your head down on the pillow at night and, you know, so, so you want to feel good about how you led by example that day. And, you know, that, that the journey is, is a good, is a good one. And like I always say to my kids, like, you have one life to live, make it the best one possible and cut out all that other stuff. You don't need to fake it because you won't make it. <laughs> right. That's how you do the off script moment. Purchase Sabrina's book available everywhere. Make it, don't fake it. As you see right behind you on John's uh, shelf, right behind him. Awesome. Make it, don't fake it. Support Sabrina's book so you can be a better leader uh, that God has called you to be. Also, stay connected with Sabrina. Yeah, right there, John. There it is. <laughs> stay connected with Sabrina. You can do that in several ways. Follow her on Instagram at Sabrina Horn. Also, you can connect with her on LinkedIn, Sabrina Horn. Also, you can check out her website, www.sabrinahorn.com. Yeah, stay stay connected with us here on Unscripted. Uh, you can do that several ways. Follow us on all social media platforms at Unscripted Leadership. Our website, unscripted-leadership.com. Of course, our podcast is literally available on all streaming platforms. And if you want to help support our mission of continuing to help develop and empower leaders um, in their community, in their business, in their family, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Unscripted Leadership. Listen, this has been an amazing conversation with Sabrina Horn on leading with authenticity. We say thank you. We pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.